Back to another episode of Any Grammar Story Podcast. I am your host, Braylon Williams, and I'm so glad to be back with you guys again. Um, so, if you're new to this podcast, if this is the first time you are hearing my voice, this is the first time you ever encountered this podcast, and you're wondering what the heck is Any Grammar Story out about? Well, Enneagram Store is a weekly podcast where I talk about how the Enneagram can be a helpful tool in restoring us into better people, help, helping us better understand who we are as individuals and how we can take up our self-improvement on that through the uh, understanding of the Enneagram with all this different information systems and nuances. And so that's what this podcast is all about. So let me just, before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you what's been happening in the world of me. What's happened for Braylon recently? So at the time of this recording, which is like late October of 2022, it has been a rough week rest-wise. Coming off of doing two conferences, a Design for Life conference with James River Church, um, being very busy involved with that. And I am just at a point where it doesn't matter how much I sleep. It just does not seem to be enough sleep. So, um, but right now I am actually recording this episode pretty late at night. Um, it's actually about midnight right now when I'm recording this. And this is a very rare moment of time where I record. Usually I try to record early in the morning. Um, so, because I like to be in bed early, but I've been up working on some um, assignment, so I was like, you know what? Instead of putting it off another day, I'll go ahead and record. So that's just kind of what's happening now. There's a whole lot more coming down the pipeline for uh, me and everything in the Braylon Williams brand line. So be on lookout. I mean, um, this is going. This episode is going to release um, after, but I mean, at the time that I record, just around the corner um, is the registration opening day for the. Any Collective, and so if you don't know what that is, the Any Collective is all about the Enneagram and emotions, and it is a virtual connection between people across the globe. Um, restoration for that is open. Uh, it opens open November first, twenty twenty-two, um, and so being that I am pre-recording this, I can't tell you where that stands, but um, it will remain open as long as the twenty-five spots are not filled. So. But anyway, let's just jump right into this week's episode.
So today we are kicking off our series about the 27 subtypes of the Enneagram. And we're going to start with start the series with type eight. So the three subtypes of type eight. Before we get into the subtypes of eight, um, I want to do a quick overview of what exactly the subtypes are. Um, because it's been a while um, since we covered that in the crash course last season. So, but also I, I do go more in depth in that episode about the overall aspects of the uh, subtypes. So if you want to learn like what exactly the subtypes are before you dive into each individual subtype, um, go back to that. That's season two, episode 18. I will include a link to that exact episode in the show notes. So um, be sure to check that out. Um, but when it comes to the 27 subtypes, each of the three subtypes are concerned with a different aspect of life. Um, you have the self-preservation subtypes who are concerned with the environment and their survival. You have the social subtypes who are concerned with their belonging and being accepted into a group. And then you have the sexual subtypes who are concerned with maintaining, well, establishing and maintaining an intimate connection with an individual. So, but there's a part kind of jumping bridges here. There's a part of the 27 subtypes that kind of confuses a lot of people. And that's subtype stacking. So we, in total, there are 27 subtypes. Um, that it is the number that totals because there are three subtypes for each of the nine core types. And so um, type ones have a social self-preservation and sexual type two and so on and so on. Each have those three. Um, and a lot of people think that you don't have access to all three, but in fact, you do. And that's why we have this thing called a subtype stacking. Um, and that just says, basically, you have a dominant subtype, you have a neutral subtype, then you have an underdeveloped subtype. Um, and so for me, as an eight, I believe that my subtypes primar primarily st are stacked in this manner. Social self-preservation self and then sexual. I believe that's how primarily my subtypes stack most often. Um, but if you don't really know your subtypes, but you kind of want to figure them out, um, there's this thing called the party test. And that's what I use to figure out my subtype. Um, it's very simple. I explain it in the Crash Course episode. Again, that's season two, episode 18. Um, I will link that episode in the show notes again. Um, so you can have direct access to that. Um, but if you really want to know what the party test is, um, you can just Google Enneagram subtype party test, and you should be able to find um, an explanation of it. Or There's even different names of it, explaining different like analogies. Um, I know truity.com has an explanation of the party test, and I will also link um, um, link that in the show notes too for you so you know how so you have a direct access to the truity uh, uh, version which is the version that I use um, just going on a little soapbox there um, besides 
um, a lot of the Enneagram coaches, um, Jeff and Beth McCord, Suzanne Stabile, um, Ian Morgan Cron, um, Truity is like my number one online resource to go to for articles and reliability of the Enneagram because a lot of their stuff is free. Of course, there's more other places, but the other places are more um, paid versions. But Truity is all free unless you want a more in-depth analysis of like tests and things like that. But as far as like free articles, in my opinion, Truity.com is the best place to go to get an article about anything in the Enneagram. And it's very well explained too. So... But yeah, there's a little thing you can know about that. That's that's just a little little place you can go. Again, you can just Google Enneagram subtype party test, um, and it should tell you everything you need to know. Um, again, I'll have links to both the crash course episode that I did last season and to the party party test that Truity explains uh, in the show notes for easy access. All right, so now let's actually dive into talking about the three subtypes of an ape. And so the first one I want to talk about is the subtype of apes, which is the social apes. Now, I'm going to spend a little bit more time here than I will the other two because social ape is my primary primary um, subtype. And so I really can speak to it more than I can the other two. Um, so, but I'm, so I'm really spending a lot of time in explaining here. Um, about the social ace, but I will still do a good explanation of this sexual and self-preservation subtype eights, right? All right, so when it comes to social ace, though, they tend to be the less aggressive of the three eight subtypes. Um, they have, social eights have a tendency to offer help when people need protection, um, and, and that's kind of the catalyst of an eight. Because, you know, the coreness of an eight is this idea to um, be invulnerable and to be, like, protected. And so a social eight lends some of their invulnerability to those around them because they kind of take on this aspect, oh, I've got to be the protector. Nobody protected me, but I'm going to protect other people because it kind of transfers um, I, I really can't explain in a good way um, how that transfers, but it's that idea of transferring that, all right, I protected myself. Now I got to protect these people because I love them. And I'm fond of them. So, um, and there's all different levels of the every subtype. You got different levels of health for the subtype, just like you got different levels of health for the core types. You got different levels of health for the subtypes to each three of them. Um, and so, but before, I, I, I want to dig into those, but before I go into talking about the levels of health for the social aid, um, I, I kind of want to address something else right off the bat, because I know this is probably going to be a question that comes up. And so just to get it out the way, um, because I also have a story with that, um, about the idea of subtypes changing. Um, yes, your subtype can change. This, the idea of your subtype, your primary subtype changing, 
I would say it's kind of 50-50, except actually I wouldn't say it's 50. I, I would say a majority now of the Enneagram um, community accepts the idea that your sub primary subtype can change. Um, again, we still, just as anything is in any community, especially within the Enneagram community, there's a lot of, you know, no, this can't happen because that's not how. But for the majority of the Enneagram community, um, I, I would say that a lot of people accept the idea that your primary subtype can change. I, I would even go further to argue that the, the entire stacking order of your subtypes can change. Um, so I'll tell you a story about that. Uh, for me, in, in this instance, I, I'm a social eight. That's the primary subtype that I tend to see stick out in myself the most. Um, and so at the beginning of summer 2022, I was like, all right, going to plan a lot of events for me to have the opportunity to hang out with friends who are in the Springfield area because I had a lot more friends stay in Springfield this past summer than I usually would. So I was like, all right, we're going to plan all these events. I've got a full-time job. We can afford it. I can pay for some people to go if needed because I want I want to have this opportunity of fun um, to be presented throughout the summer. And so that was the plan. But that's not how the plan turned out. In late May, I got, well, at early May, I had to put $2,000 in car repairs. Um, and then late May, I got in a wreck after just having my car back from the shop for about a week and a half. Uh, that totaled my car, so there's a waste of 2K. Um, and then also, I'm having to buy a new car, uh, which, by the way, I bought a 2019 Volkswagen Jetta, um, all white, named her Macy. Uh, I think I have an asphyxiation towards naming my cars with M's because... The car that got wrecked was Maya and then Macy. So at this point, I'm pretty sure that I'm sticking with naming every car that I get with an M word, M name. So um, I'm thinking the next car, if I hopefully will be long down the road, um, Melody. So, but that's, that's a side story. But, and so here I am in, in this turmoil of life events, um, financial plan for the summer out the window because I going into the summer knowing how many hours a week I was going to work and how much money I was going to make I had this idea all right I can budget this much to pay for this next semester of school I can budget this much to pay for after college living expenses I can budget this much to further my education in the design realm I, I can budget this much to um, upgrade my wardrobe that entire plan was thrown out the window with one car wreck. And so here I am like, all right, I don't think this is the opportunity to socialize much. I've got to save my cowhide. I've got to figure out how, how I'm going to financially be stable among having to pay for a new car. So, and it all, I, I literally be, went from social to self-preservation. I'm trying to figure out how do I survive life? It, it's, I, I forget all about the fun. I'm like, 
I, I could care less about having fun. I need to figure out how am I going to survive because the plan I had is not working out. And amongst that, I had within that summer, I remind you, I'm staying on campus for the summer living. And so I had to not only move out of the dorm that I live in for the school here, but then I had to move to a different dorm. And then I got to that dorm, the room I was in was, the wall was filthy because of water leak that came in and messed up the paint on the wall. So then I had to move to another room and it was just, to say the, to say summer 2022 was an upheaval of life would to be would be an understatement, but I survived it and I'm still here, and so that just goes to show that after everything has settled down, I figured and I got to some of a plan of surviving life again. I'm like, all right, I feel ready to be social again. It. it well, it wasn't like, it wasn't really that I felt it. It was more like, all right, life felt steady. I was like, and the socialness in me came back. I wanted to hang out with my friends again. I wanted to plan more events again to say, all right, we need to get together and commune together. So it, it no longer was about Braylon surviving, but it was more about, I want to have fun. <laughs> life has thrown a bunch of rocks, a, a bunch of, socks filled with quarters uh, hit me and now i can finally have fun again because life is becoming steady i mean within the month of may i had three rental cars <laughs> one because my car was in the shop longer than they expected another because my car was totaled which the second one was a pretty sick one enterprise gave me a 2021 dodge challenger to drive for a week so that was pretty sweet um, and then one was because I had the cheapest car that I could find with all the features that I want and the brand car that I wanted was back in Tennessee. So I had to rent another car just to get back home in Tennessee to buy the car. So it was like, oh my goodness, three rental cars in the month of May to say money was coming as was going as soon as it came into my bank account was an understatement but anyway i say all that to say yes your primary subtype can change and i again i will even argue that the entire stacking order can change but i believe for me in that moment um it was just that flip of the top two it was i went from social self-preservation sexual to being self-preservation social sexual so um but I would say that even though your order can change, I, I would I would say it had to take a drastic life event happening. Um, and when I say drastic, I, I mean a life event that causes you to reevaluate how you are doing life in that moment. For me, the wreck caused me to reevaluate how am I doing life right now? Am I doing life a sustainable way? Um, Am I making the connections with people that I need? Am I living life in the fast lane? One wreck, <laughs> accompanied by a sabbatical from the worship team later in the summer, had me questioning my entire life. I'm like, 
oh my goodness, I might have to do a bonus episode <laughs> just to tell you about all the thoughts that came to me during my month-long sabbatical from worship. And so and what the catalyst for that was. So but getting back to the self social eight, I refer to the social eight as the unruly cousin of the core type seven. And here's why. If you see an eight, or if you know an eight who is a social eight, and they also have a seven wing, me, I'm a eight with the seven wing, but then I'm also a social eight. I would say they extrinsically look like a core seven because <laughs> they just want to have all the fun. And that is me. I have what a big fear of FOMO. I mean, you're talking to the guy who, if my door to my dorm room is open and I hear voices, I am going to follow the voices because I want to know what's happening, what's going on. Where is the fun? And I think, honestly, that, though, for me, kind of goes back to my upbringing. My upbringing was one of middle-class, low-income, sparingly trying to just survive life type of thing. So, and then I'm at a point where I don't have to do that anymore. I can actually enjoy life. And so I think my seven, I think for me growing up, I was attuned to nineness in my wing because it was all about keeping the peace of life, keeping the peace within the family. And then here I am in college by myself. I don't have to keep the peace. I, I can have the fun. And so I believe I've really have taken on that seven wing a lot. <laughs> so. So now that I've talked about all of that, um, let me talk about the big key points of each level of health for the social eight um, really quick. So overall for an eight, trust is a big issue, but for social eight, trust is also the way that they find connection. Social aids make bonds and packs. They, they connect with people who have proven themselves trustworthy. So oftentimes a social aid will seem, at first, seem very socially, socially awkward because they haven't really found that trust to be established. So they, they want to be connected with the person, but at the same time, they're holding themselves back because they, they've got to know that this is a person that they can trust. They, there, there's, there's this gap, there's this gate that has to be opened before that true connection can be found. Uh, and it's all is that idea of trust. As soon as they finally keep to unlock the gate of trust, that won't, that desire for connection with this new person is establishing that social awkwardness dissipates. So, like I said, so again, which in turn leads to social aids, surrounding themselves with people who are trustworthy and predictable. And they do this in order to ease their feelings of social awkwardness and rejection. So, if you know somebody who's a social aid like me, 
and I, I get I, honestly for me, myself too. I, I get this a lot about a lot of people uh, who tell me this. They're like, you know, at first you you, you seem shy. You seem uh, don't. Oftentimes they can't put words to how they would explain first meeting me, but as they get to know me, they're like, "You're a pretty cool, cool dude." <laughs> Funny. Um, some might say, "I'm not, no, not going to go there," but um, they say they say like there's there's a switch, and yes, I would say there that there is a switch, and that switch is the fact that if you that I've found you to be trustworthy. I've found you to be someone who, at least for this moment, is not going to leave, who is not going to reject me for being me, for being overprotective, for being who I am. And so on the more unhealthy side of a social aid, it's easier for them to take friends for granted and feel betrayed. Um, and if an unhealthy aid, social aid continues to decline, they become very antisocial loners in order not to deal with the, the idea of both rejection and betrayal. And again, I can speak to that very well because in moments of un, unhealthiness, when life isn't going well, and I, I, I just, I'm an ambivert, 100%. And so I, I need my alone time to recharge, but I thrive on being an extrovert at most times. And a lot of times when life isn't going the way I need to go, I become very antisocial. Door is locked 100% of the time. You don't see me because either I'm locked away in my room or I'm indisposed at another location so you don't have access to me. Most time it's in Walmart because why not get some retail therapy in while being antisocial? Um, so that's the way I view it. It might be unhealthy because a lot of times when I walk around Walmart, I'm like, "Oh, I can buy this. I can get. I can use this." And I'm always being the person I am. Probably not the best for me because of the way I always try to treat myself and I become antisocial when I need. To just withdraw and then i also tend to shop when i become unhealthy so yeah but anyway yes <laughs> social aids as they become unhealthy the more they become unhealthy the more antisocial they become so that that that's a lot And that's what you can expect to see. And that's the idea you get from a social aid. But now I want to move on to uh, the self-preservation aids. I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. All right. 
I want to talk about self-preservation aids, but before I do, I realize there are two things I forgot to mention in the intro of this episode. The first being that in two episodes from now, you will have the privilege to hear from Krista Harding, who is the creator and host of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. And let's just say I'm definitely going to work up some more ways to bring her on the show because I just had a great time talking to her. Uh, we both had engagements we had to get to afterwards, so we couldn't prolong our time together, unfortunately. So that's why I say I need to figure out some more ways to talk to her because it was just a delightful time. Um, we laughed a lot uh, and she just gave a lot of wisdom. So you're not going to miss that episode. That's episode four. Um, so be plugging that a lot so that's not the first time or the last time you're going to hear about that episode but also one thing i forgot to mention is if you don't know about gene stevens who is the co-lead pastor and founding past founding member of um soul city church in chicago you need to know about it because she is another person who i just booked uh interview with um for this podcast and she has a book entitled what's here now great book i encourage you to read it um so that interview is scheduled for later this month and so that will hopefully that episode will be released um late february and so you don't i'm excited because we're going to be talking about being present and the work it takes because it's something that she's worked on and i mean she's written a book that's what the entire book is about living in the present not rehashing the past and not focusing on the future but living in the present um and so but that's also something that i've been working on um this since last summer uh, because of what happened in the summer of 2022 and everything that caused me to kind of reevaluate life and so i it's going to be a great conversation. So don't want to miss that. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to sit down and have the conversation with her. Um, I'm glad that I found out about her. A little shout to Ian Morgan Cron for allowing me to discover Gene Stevens because I first found out about her on his podcast, Typology Podcast. So uh, thank you for sharing such a wonderful friend with me so I could find out about her too through our podcast. So, but anyway, let's get back to the subtypes of eight with the self-preservation aids. When it comes to self-preservation aids, there are two things that are true. The first is that more money equals more power. And the second is the more prized possessions they have, the more impact and importance they have. Just sit with that for a moment. More money equals more power. More prized possessions equals more impact and more importance. I may be wrong, but I would say that is an illusion that self-preservation aids have of themselves. I would say that the idea of more monkey, more money equaling power, more power is an illusion. The idea that more prized possessions you have, the more impact you can have is an illusion. 
It's not about the money. It's not about the possessions, but it's about the work you do in the present. It's about the work you do with what you do have, the connections you do have, the things you do have, the ideas you allow to take root in the now and not focusing on what could be possible in the future, but saying this, what is here now, again, this is another reason why you need to listen to the episode I'm doing with Gene Stevens. Uh, this is what is here now. How can I make the most of this? How can I use what I have, what I know now to impact my world now? Because if I do a good impact now, that's only going to domino effect into the impact in the future. I don't know where that came from. That's not in my notes, but um, self-preservation aids express the passion of lust through focusing on getting what they need for survival. They know how to survive, how to survive in difficult situations, and they have a strong desire for the timely satisfaction of material needs. But something that can be seen as a two-sided coin is that they feel like a god when it comes to getting what they need. And if it's not kept in check, this idea of feeling like a god cannot be, not only be destructive to themselves, but it can also be destructive to those around them. Because they feel like that it was by their sheer willpower that everything that they have, everything that they've got was only because they made it possible, only because they said it was possible, only because they worked for it. And honestly, I think in this, the more unhealthy uh, self-preservation aid gets, the more idea of gifts being something that can help them goes out the window. The more idea of, oh, a friend giving them a gift because they love them becomes more of, no, you gave me this gift because I told you this is what I needed. Idea, not because you love me. Whole lot to think about. Um, so. But. Wish I could dive in a little bit more deeper, but I kind of took a lot of time with the social aids. Um, and so we still got some ground to cover with the sexual ace next uh, before this episode is over and we're running low on time now um, for this episode. So we're, we're going to uh, go directly to sexual ace now. Listen, y'all, I'm so excited. I have been fortunate enough to sit down and have a conversation with Krista Harden from Enneagram Marriage Podcast, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear that episode. She dropped so many gold nuggets of knowledge, and plus I had a fun time talking with her. I mean, you're talking about a very high-energy episode. This is an episode of two high-energy types, Krista, who is a type 7, and me, who is an 8 with the 7 wing. So when Krista brought her 7 energy, I tapped into my 7 wing energy, and we just had a absolute blast. Uh, 
you're not going to miss that episode, which is episode four, and it's just around the corner. Let me tell you, you're going to want to go ahead and get your notebook and a pen on standby because you're going to want to take notes. It's an amazing episode. Sexual apes are intense, charismatic people who want to have control and influence over everyone and everything. These are very passionate people, and, and they want to know and feel that they have had a major impact on those in their sphere of influence. The thing about sexual ace, though, is that they seem to always play this game of tug of war with themselves when it comes to intimacy. They can be deeply loving and devoted people and be very intimate, but at the same time, they can also see intimacy as a struggle for control and an opportunity to build their self-esteem. So internally, mentally, and emotionally, a sexual eight might always be playing this game of tug of war with themselves to figure out which way to go um, in each intimate relationship. Do they choose the deeply devoted intimacy, or do they choose control? Um, one thing we know for sure is that being intimate, you really can't have control. There's Intimacy kind of requires a level of compromise that control does not, well, I want to say control, but control in a way that an eight wants. Control is possible. So for in sexual eight to be intimate, they've got to less it, I would say give up, but at least lessen this idea of having control. Because the idea of control that any eight has really cannot live within that realm of deeply devoted intimacy, because then that says, hey, I, you're not a loving partner for me. You're not a loving friend for me, but you're only someone I'm using to get what I need. So you, for the level of control that an eight desires, if you kept that level of control and tried to be intimate, you're only devaluing a person's humanity. You're devaluing a person's personality, devaluing a person completely. And then that leaves that person broken because you've seen them less of a person and more of a thing, of an object. So for a sexual eight and any healthy sexual eight, understand this pretty well. To be intimate means to give up control. But that does not mean you give up compromise. That does not mean you say, hey, I have boundaries. Hey, I have I have preferences. No, that means my preferences, my boundaries do not come first. They only play a part in the decision making as a couple, as a friendship, as a family. Because it's not what I want that's most important, but it's 
the intimacy that I crave with you that's important. And in order for me as a sexual healthy eight, a healthy sexual eight to get that, I have to give up control. And if that means that some of my preferences go out the window so yours can remain are a compromise of the art preferences come together. That's how we establish an intimate connection. That, that, that's, that's living healthy as a sexual eight. So I kind of touched on it a little bit, but to just go to state it a little bit more explicitly, as a sexual eight goes further down into the lower levels of health, the more demanding and the more domineering they become. The lower they go, they, the more they demand more loyalty, loyalty, they demand more consistency, and they demand more attention from the other, whether that's a partner, a romantic relationship, or a friend, or a family member. And their intolerance for the other person's interest dissipates. Not dissipates. Their intolerance. I'm thinking tolerance. Their intolerance for the other person's interest increases. Again, the idea of control. My desires, my preferences, my boundaries are more important than the yours. As, but as an unhealthy sexual eight flips the switch and becomes healthy. I wish I could show you visual reputation, but it, it goes opposite. The other person's interest becomes higher or equal to the sexual eights. In the deep, unhealthy levels, a sexual eight can become so jealous that they may seek to isolate their significant other from family, friends, or anyone else that is not that sexual eight. Oftentimes, this is the uh, this is where you'll find a lot of abusive relationships, um, a lot of domestic violence. Um, which let me just stop for a moment and speak on that. I, this is not an episode about domestic violence and it's not an episode about the importance of speaking out, but it is very important to speak out, um, it, especially if you know of someone, because oftentimes that person who is involved is too afraid to speak out because of what might happen. Maybe they have kids and the abuser is threatened to harm the kid or take the kid away. Or maybe it's because the abuser has said, if you say anything, I 100% will kill you. So if you know anybody or suspect you have a friend, family member, colleague who is experiencing domestic abuse, Please talk to them and try to help them seek help. I don't know the hotline numbers or any websites like that, but I'm going to look them up and I'm going to include them in the show notes 
so you can have access to a matter of fact i'm gonna take a moment out right now to write down a note to put the phone number and any links to domestic violence help in the show notes like i said this is not a episode about domestic violence but um I firmly believe that since I brought it up, I need to um, give resources, advocate for it, because it is not okay um, for it to be happening. And I do hope that you will take action if you are experiencing domestic violence or if you know someone who is experiencing domestic violence. Please speak up. And speak out. But before I close out the show, I want to talk about one last thing because I haven't covered it in this episode. Uh, and it's been a while since I covered it. Actually, last time I covered the counter types was in the crash course episode. Again, That episode, the Crash Course episode of subtypes will be linked in the show notes. So if you want to know more about the overall idea of the 27 subtypes, do visit that um, episode. Give it a listen. Uh, It'll give you the overview of what the subtypes are and all about counter types and um, everything. It's just like on top of the surface. Um, but what counter types are in every sub of all the 27 subtypes, each type has one subtype. That is a counter type and the counter type goes against the passion of the core type. So what is the passion? The passion is that mm-hmm. thing that the core type has a lust for. Um, Before I say what that is for an eight, I just briefly and really quickly want to list off every um, counter type. Um, I won't say this list every episode, but um, I feel like it's very good to say in in this episode. So the nine counter types are sexual one, self-preservation two, self-preservation three, self-preservation four, Sexual five, sexual six, social seven, social eight, and social nine. Those are all the nine counter types. So, why are social eights the counter type? Social eights are the counter type because they are the one subgroup, subtype group that goes against the passion of an eight, which is a lust for control and independence for themselves. Social eights are the only subtype that say, I'm going to worry about what I can do for you more than what I can do for myself. A healthy one. Even so, still an unhealthy social eight is still the counter type. Uh, the more healthy, the more they say that phrase, I'm worried about more what I can do for you than what I can do for myself. And so that's what, um, why the social is a counter type. And so if you want to understand counter types, before I even say why 
just know, find the passion. What's the passion? What's, what's the thing that core type lusts after and which type goes against that for eights, it is social eights who go against that lust for control and independence from themselves. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. Um, don't miss next week's show. Um, continuing on our journey of the 27 subtypes, talking about the social, self-preservation, and sexual nines. Um, don't forget to follow and subscribe to any grammar store podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Instagram. Um, and if you like this episode or if you like this podcast in general, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the more people find this podcast and find it beneficial uh, because this podcast is a great podcast, at least. But I might have a little bit behind since I am the one who created it and I am the one who hosts this and I produce it. So I might have a little bit biased, but yes, this podcast is a great podcast because it is a lot of knowledge based. And I try to break down all the Enneagram knowledge in a very understandable everyday language. Um, and so I hope you learn something from this podcast episode. I hope you learn something for the podcast overall. And if you have been listening to the podcast since day one, let me know. I might do a little giveaway one day for all the A1 day ones out there. So, but as always, before we go, I want you to know one thing. And that one thing I want you to know and to remember is that the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. <laughs>